Worm Hockey Podcast, back with you again for another week. This is Push to the Playoffs Part 1. We are officially into um, the countdown here, the final 20-some days of the regular season, and Push to the Playoffs. So in the next few weeks, the next few episodes are going to be all about the Push to the Playoffs. So this is Part 1 of that push. Uh, some headlines to to run through real quick for it for everybody before we jump into the meat of things. Um, McDavid set to return tonight, as of this recording anyway. Um, Oilers play the Jets. Nathan McKinnon out one to two weeks with a lower body injury. And uh, the San Jose Sharks are the only team so far to um, say that they will adhere to the coronavirus ban. That's a local thing too, I think. Hey, that's a that's a county issue in that in that particular area, part yeah. of California, right? Yeah. So, uh, I'm not sure they have a choice but to comply there, and unless they want to move their home game someplace else. Yep. As of this recording, some big games uh, that happened last night: uh, the Rangers knocking off the Dallas Stars four two, Anaheim knocking off Ottawa five two, Vancouver with a win and a shootout to uh, stay in a wild card position in the West. Carolina beating Detroit. Uh, no real surprise there, though, unfortunately for them. Uh, Boston shutting out Philly. Pittsburgh knocking off New Jersey. Nashville staying right there in the wild card spot with a 4-2 win over Montreal. And Toronto knocking off Tampa. So big games last yesterday, last night, um, in the playoff push. Some big games as, as of this recording. Uh, some big games tonight as well. San Jose and Chicago. Winnipeg, Edmonton. St. Louis hopes to extend their lead in the Central against Anaheim. Colorado looks to tie in the West in the Central with a win against the Rangers, and then L.A. and Ottawa play. So Some weird stuff going on in the uh, kind of bizarro world of March here with their, uh, I think Detroit won two or three in a row. New Jersey's been above 500, uh, unfortunately, since the Hall trade. Uh, Dallas has been um, struggling of late. Injury bug has got a lot of people concerned, um, but we have, that happens to everyone, so you, it's, that's not something that uh, players and coaches would ever bring up in good conscience. But it's, uh, it's certainly, if your glass is half full, like we talked about off camera, you're going to get guys back that are fresh, whether it's your goaltenders or your top-line guys or whatever. They right. miss a couple of weeks this time of year, and you come back with a little bit more bounce in your step maybe because you get some rest. Well, and in regards to playoff teams facing injuries, Colorado probably has the most injuries of them. And But McCarr set to return tonight, I believe, against the Rangers. Burkowski, Rantanen, Calvert, Kadri are all skating. So Now McKinnon's a week-to-week guy? Now he's a week-to-week yeah. situation. So if there's a time to get injuries, it's now when you have a, a cushion when you know you're going to make the playoffs, when that's not really a concern, it's time to face injuries now so that you're so that you're healed and fresh for the playoffs. Um, but that to say that isn't to say that a team like Colorado isn't playing meaningful hockey down the stretch. They may be in a as close to a guaranteed playoff spot as you can get, if not a fully guaranteed, and but they're still playing meaningful hockey, so they're not in a situation like Tampa was last year where 
middle beginning of March and they're just they were coasting on, through yeah. the rest the rest of the season. They were so. on cruise control from Christmas on last year. Yeah. And good on them for being consistent, just like Boston this year. Boston's just been they've been lights out consistent since they uh since they dropped in, in October. Yep. But that doesn't always translate to a good playoff run, as we know. That's what makes it so so much fun. Right now like I'm looking at these um looking at watching teams play every night looking at the the conferences and the division races and things like that. I think we talked about this during the game yesterday. Who wants to play the St. Louis Blues right now? Besides nobody, the Blues are atop of the top of the uh West and they're, they're without Tarasenko. And they're getting two-headed goaltending this year out of Bennington and Jake Allen instead of riding Bennington all the way for the last 30 games or 40 games. So that's that, and they know how to win, and they're well coached. So that's going to be a tough one. It but is, but in West. that in that vein, who would want to play Colorado either? Well, yeah, because but they're top, they're tops of the West with without. I mean, run through their injuries without Grubauer. They were without Francois for a while. Yep. They have five different goaltenders who each have a win this season, which is the most <laughs> of a team this year. Five. They were with, they've been without Makar for s- multiple stints. They're without Kadri. They're without Burakovsky. Rennan. They've been without Donskoy. Yep. They've been without Calvert. They're, they've missed Rantanen for 16 games at the start of the year, and now he's been out with an upper body injury for the past couple weeks. They've been without Landeskog. They've, they're now week to week on McKinnon. And yet McKinnon is 93 points, 7 shy of 100. And the team's 90 points, second in the West, two two behind St. Louis for first, not only in the West, but the Central. And they're doing it with the likes of Nachushkin, Belmar, Kaut, O'Connor, TJ Tynan, Adam Werner. Mark of a great team. Michael Hutchinson. They're doing they're winning games and they're getting points in the standings without those guys. So would you want to play them come playoff time if if everybody is healthy? healthy? No, that's and that's the mark of a great team. And one of the things that we we have to pay more credit to, and everybody needs to, you know, everybody talks about players, and yeah, you would talk about guys who score a lot of goals and goaltenders who make great saves and, and all the stuff that makes the uh, the highlight packs. But the coaches and GMs right now are the ones that are really stepping to the front. Look what. And while we're on the subject, I mean, you, you could pick any one of the top guys. Look what Todd Reardon's done in Washington. Um, look at the job that Elaine Vigneault has done in Philadelphia. Boston has been, as we talked about last week, they've been on the top of the world since Bruce Cassidy came on board. And Sweeney, how about the job he did at the deadline? Tampa, uh, my gosh, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins look great. Joe Sackick and, and uh, Doug Armstrong in the West um, McCrimmon in Vegas. Uh, how about, how about, uh, what Dave Tippett and we seem to be always saluting Dave Tippett on this show, but look what he's done in Edmonton and, and Kenny Holland. So, uh, you know, Dallas stepped in with a new coach when, when, uh, Rick bonus came in for Jim Montgomery, Jim Montgomery. And, you know, other than a couple of hiccups here and there, they're playing well. Uh, you, you really have to, you have to salute the guys at the top of the game for 
the moves, the subtle moves they make at the deadline, the subtle moves they make in the offseason, who they sign, who they let go. And when you see a team like Detroit a generation ago was take one guy out, put another one in, doesn't matter. They play you the same every night. They, they look the same. The stats are the same. The system is the same. It doesn't matter who's playing and who's not. Bring in the next guy, and we're going we're gonna to still make you claw to get a point out of us. So, and that's coaching, that's leadership, and, it's, uh, and it starts with the GM and probably starts up at the ownership level. So no, hats off to those guys. They're not, the, the players aren't there, as you can see, by talented teams that flunk out. The players aren't there without great coaching and great leadership in the front office. Yep, agreed. Well, before anything, hit the subscribe button, rate and review, uh, settle in. This is episode number 47 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast, part one of Push to the Playoffs. with you um make sure before anything make sure you're settled in make sure you've hit the subscribe button you left a rating and a review make sure you followed us on social media and you are ready as and excited like we are for the push to the playoffs um big things happen a lot of injury notes like we mentioned uh eastern conference washington leading the metro but philly one point one point out of the, the metro lead Pittsburgh, closing out your top three in the Metro. Boston, Tampa, and Toronto in the Atlantic, your top three teams there. Uh, bubble teams, Carolina, Columbus, and the Islanders. Florida, mm, can't really say Montreal, 71 points. They're, Still got to consider the Rangers, hey? Um, yeah, you can consider the Rangers. Um a lot of a lot of close bubble bubble teams there. A lot of close stuff. Um, Philly, I think we predicted it at the beginning that they would at least compete in the division and be a playoff team. So that we're oh yeah correct on that prediction. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I told you last night. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull out. I think I wrote down all of our preseason predictions from our from our September sh- one of our September shows, and I'm pretty sure we're as usual. We're right completely across the board. So uh, as the season winds down, I'll pull that thing out and, and remind everybody. Always looking for opportunities to remind everybody how correct we are. Exactly. Colorado, anyway. two points back at St. Louis for the uh, Central and West lead. Dallas, eight points back at Colorado. Don't look now. Nashville, four points back at Dallas for third in the Central. And so is Winnipeg. Both are four points back. Both Minnesota five points back with 12 games, 13 games left to play. Um, So big pushes there that I didn't honestly see coming, especially from the likes of Minnesota. Uh, I predicted you wouldn't see a whole lot from Winnipeg. Uh, I was wrong about that. But definitely Minnesota did not see that one. Did not see them making a big push late. Especially um, after those teams like Minnesota specifically getting rid of Zucker, 
that's the move of a seller. Mm-hmm. So they go they go into sales mode at the deadline, and then they run off like five out of six, and they're in the playoffs. So, you know, they're again a coaching change and a couple of personnel changes, and they're rebuilding. But good on that team for hanging in there. And they and the the news that they almost lost Parisi at the deadline also that had to be unnerving to that dressing room because he's such a he's such a fixture there, he and Suter. But you got to salute those guys. And I co- I totally dismissed Minnesota at the beginning of the year along with the Rangers, along with Columbus. Um, those, are, those are teams that you really have to, you got to give credit for those guys for, for hanging in there and, and playing hard. And uh, there's, a, there's a list of players, too, that I want to get to before we wrap up that, uh, boy, you really, I mean, it's easy to miss the mark on some of these guys, but wow. Yeah. Don't look stuff. now. Don't look now. Vegas is six points back of the lead in the West. Getting stronger every day. Edmonton, uh, 83 points second in the Pacific, four points up on Calgary. Uh, it's looking like Edmonton-Calgary battle of, battle of Alberta in the first round right now anyway with Vancouver be fun. Vancouver one point back of, of Calgary in a wild card spot. Um, it, I hate to admit this, but it's looking like you are going to be correct. Arizona has <laughs> fallen to 74 <laughs> points and is slipping out of reach of a wild card spot. I'm not sure we picked that up. Could you say that one more time? <laughs> I'm cutting out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. If your microphone's cutting out on you. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of things happening. A lot of, a lot of things, uh, a lot of interesting matchups that you could see. Uh, St. Louis could play Winnipeg. It could play Vancouver. It could play Nashville, Colorado, Dallas, Colorado, Nashville, Colorado, Winnipeg, Colorado, but, Minnesota, if you uh, get, though, I mean, you mentioned it a minute ago, Evan. If you get a, Cal- a Calgary-Edmonton matchup in the first round, man, I'm telling you, everybody, take your phone off the hook. As I guess I was reminded here a couple months ago, phones no longer have hooks. But <laughs> put your phone on silent. Here you go. Modern, okay, modern now times. Now we got it. Now modern got times. It. And uh, put an auto-reply on your email. Pull the shades. Lock the door. And don't let anything interrupt that because that is going to be hockey at its finest. It's going to be throwback stuff. I hope those two see each other in the first round. I really do. And while we're talking about the West, got to say good on you, Paul Maurice in Winnipeg. What a, what a duct tape job they've done in that place this year with, uh, with the defensive injuries and the losses, Tyler Myers, Sherratt, Truba, Bufflin, they lost hundreds and hundreds of games and about 90 minutes a night off their defense core, and here they are. So uh, he's done a great job with them, and Hellebuck's done, um, has been wonderful in goal and consistent all year. He's finally really become uh, the big-time player that uh, everybody thought he would. Yep, no, agreed. So it's, gotta, it's exciting. Let well, me ask you this before we move out of the West. I look at the West, and of course, you know, when you when you see the point standings, Nobody's nobody's racking up the points like Boston and Tampa and Washington in the East. But I I contend that the West, top to bottom, is a much tougher place to play. There's not right now, and no no disrespect to teams that have to go through the rebuild, but they don't get Ottawa and Detroit and New Jersey. 
they don't get uh, the Buffalo Sabres and teams that, you know, let's face it, you, you should be, if you're a contender, you're fattening up on those guys. But even down toward the very bottom of the West, you're looking at San Jose and Chicago and, and L.A. I mean, the, these guys are, these are tough outs every night. And the West is at least a dozen teams deep in clubs that could have made the playoffs, save for a cold streak here and there. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, they're, what I'm saying is the top four or five teams in the West, I think are going to be a lot more consistently battle-tested than the East. So, so does that immediate, does that change your prediction then on who on Tampa or Boston being a favorite then coming at, at for a Stanley Cup? I if I were a gambling man and I kind of am, I would I'm, I'll take the West and give you the East. I, I my Stanley Cup winners coming out of the West. I don't know who because it could be anybody. Nobody knows who, of course. But those top teams: Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado. Uh, Dallas, I really don't want to play Dallas if I'm in the West. And if they if they have the goaltending, Dallas's right. whole issue and it has been for a while is goaltending. You know, Anti Niemi can win you a Stanley Cup in Chicago and things all he wants, but you know, their their issue in Dallas for a while before Bishop came and even after Bishop, you know, has been goaltending. Bishop has been a little soft at times, and Hudobin has been a quality backup that can win you. 15 or 20 games depending on the workload but you know when push comes to shove dallas's goaltending has shown in playoffs you know like last year and things that it can't it struggles to hold up and so if dallas can get the goaltending and and more important than that last year they also struggled with production their top guys didn't really produce a whole lot in playoff time against winnipeg and and all that stuff. So you get your your top production from a, a Rupe Hints and a Tyler right. Sagan and a Jamie Ben, and you get quick quick breakouts, north south puck movement from from Heiskanen and Heiskanen. Klingberg, yep. and you get and then you get solid goaltending. If you get even halfway consistent solid goaltending from Dallas, then I will I will join the bandwagon that says they are they are a scary team to play. If they if one of those pieces isn't there, it, playoff hockey is tough hockey no matter who you play. But if one of those pieces isn't there, I'm not gonna f- completely fully say that they're they're a, a sleeper or a team to beat in the West. No, it's it, you know what, and that's the same for every team. Yep, that's the same. Well, that's for what I mean. It's the same for every team. But... Teams that might possibly uh, might possibly make the playoffs. Or not, I'm sorry, not make the playoffs, but contend. 12 teams, uh, maybe four or five in the East and six or so in the West that could contend and go to the conference finals. They've got to have all those components. But, and I've seen Dallas play enough this year that they, they have it when they have it. So it's, again, it's a matter of timing, getting a hot goaltender, staying healthy. Can you keep Ben Bishop upright? I, you know, Hudobin and Bishop have been statistically at the top of the league all year long, both of them. But, I, you know, it wasn't that long ago Hudobin was in Boston. He was impossible to hit. They let him go, and now he's good on him. It's, uh, like I said, timing. He's playing lights out. So, again, uh, that's what makes this so fun is when the 1-8 seed can get you on the edge of your seat. 
Yep. So absolutely, uh, absolutely. Moving moving east though, real quick. Yep. Um, moving east. I don't know. Again, the easy teams to say that are scary are Tampa, Boston, um, Washington's always a, a tough tough out. Pittsburgh is battle tested. Um, my I, again, a sleeper team for me would be Philadelphia. Yep, they're not even uh, a surprise to me. I, I, we've talked about them all year long. That's that's a good solid team. I like the Flyers. But just looking at the standings, there's more of a gap in the e- or in the East than there is in the West. Yep. To go to the point of the West being tougher, tougher to play. Um, obviously, obviously Boston with 100 points, they're first in the whole league. Yep. Um, Very consistent. But in terms of, you know, in terms of difficulty of play, it I have to agree that it's the West just on how close all the teams are. Yep. Um, Agreed. I, once you get down to Pittsburgh, I th- I'd say the Flyers in Pittsburgh, as much as they can contend and as much as they are legitimate conference finalists, not going to be a shock if they don't make it. But yeah. beyond that, Carolina, Toronto, Columbus, the Islanders, I'm not buying them. Uh, I, I just don't, they're just not there yet. Carolina needs a goaltender. Toronto needs to, to grow some elbows. Columbus is just kind of depleted. And while we're at that, good on John Tortorella, who I've taken a lot of shots at over the years. Um, he is, he's getting production out of that team. And they're another one that is just, on paper, they are way overmatched. And here they are. Yep. Now, with that said, I just want to, I have to yap about one thing here going on in the league. And, and it's not, it's nobody's fault except, you know, whoever's making these decisions in New York 25 years ago. Boston has 12 loser points this year. Columbus has 15 loser points this year. I, I, I just, I don't like anybody losing a hockey game and getting a point for it me either. never will but it's it's, not, it's gary batman and well, you it, it, it is i mean it, i don't a, i don't want to go on a on a, a rant just railing people but it it's gary batman it, it's the business perspective and and everything today where we need to fabricate entertainment Trying to, to create parody. We, we need to create create entertainment, and we need to create parody rather than letting the game be what it is, and that is an entertaining game. Yep. One of the great things about this game of hockey is that whether it's a 0-0, one-goal one overtime game, or it's 9-8, to eight, it's an exciting sport. It's an exciting game, and those and therefore it's exciting on its own. And the But the problem is... is Batman and the league has decided to take it upon themselves to make it more fun or try to fabricate their version of entertainment by instituting rules that goal t- goalie equipment has to be th- smaller and the nets have to be this <laughs> and you have to and you get points for over- losses in overtime or shootouts and oh the shootout in and of itself which is great for fans and young kids but Look, you know me. So it's just it's, yeah. I've had a I've had a consistent lifetime of taking shots at Gary Bettman, but 
I'll give him this. While we're on this, uh, while my theme on today's show is places where I need to reevaluate, he's a smart businessman. He doesn't know the game. No. He knows the business. He does. And if if those decisions, if we're going to throw him compliments on in relation to things like, to other things that we, we criticize, like the women's game, right? Right. He's got the business perspective that the the women's sport needs on the basis of bringing eyeballs to the game. Right. If women's hockey had a Gary Bettman, and they and will. I'm not and I'm not just talking I'm not talking Gary Bettman throwing money and here's your WNHL. I'm talking no. somebody stepping in and joining their cause, creating a brand. Then all of a sudden you've got somebody there to implement not only a business plan, but also somebody who's capable of drawing eyes. To what, which would then lead to a WNHL. Absolutely. So correct. in that regard, now, applaud, applaud Gary Bettman, right? So the, the but decisions from, that make us so unhappy, though, the ones you're talking about here, and the ones that I complain about constantly, hockey. are made by they're made by committee, they're made by the board of governors who have the competition committee and the player safety committee and all the other committees that create these things. So it is not. Bettman only works for the owners and he does a great job of working for the owners because he makes virtually everyone money. The problem is when the competition committee says, I don't want to have a meaningless game at the end of the year between Ottawa and Detroit where only friends and neighbors show up, even though maybe 8,000 season tickets or 10,000 season tickets have been sold, nobody's there. And nobody cares. The problem is in a 30, soon to be 32 team league, somebody's got to be at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Every time there's a Boston or a Tampa or a St. Louis with a hundred points, somebody's going to be dredging around there at 50 or 60 points. It's just, it's math. And and unfortunately, because of that, there's no possible way without completely ruining the integrity of the game. There's no possible way to make it where even a last place team is competing for a playoff spot. Yeah, let me let me stir you up even right? further. Correct, a hundred percent correct. So and don't which, try which, to do that. Which or tells make... me that's what they're. But what when you look at it, it tells me that's what they're trying to do. That even even if you lose, here's your point in overtime or a shootout to try and add points to try and create intrigue. When technically the game does that for itself, and even international tr- hockey, which I really dislike, the IHF, even they don't give a point for a lose. They just, uh, they just, no. You get three, two, and one, or something, three and two, or whatever they do, but you, you're not getting a, you're not getting a point when you lose a game. But now, this is what I'm talking about, though, and this, is, this is what I hate. But this is, I guarantee you, this is what they wanted to create. And it's the problem is now they're ruining the integrity of the game because Chicago is 70 points last place in the central. Okay. That's eight points, only eight points removed from being last place in the Western conference. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, but with 13 games remaining, they're also eight points out of a playoff spot. Correct. Now, Good, good on teams like Chicago and Minnesota for continuing to compete, not trivializing that. 100%. But the problem is, is we're we're now to a point where, and I guess it depends on how you look at it, on whether it's good or bad. But we're now to the point where rebuilding teams 
are doing things that maybe they shouldn't be doing because technically they're rebuilding teams. You got you got teams good on Minnesota for being one point out of a playoff spot, right? Good on Winnipeg for doing what they've been doing with with the adversity they've faced. Yep. You know, good on Chicago for continuing to at least compete. But you're you're rebuilding. You're in last place for a reason. It's, you, you get my point. Like I it, do. you, you're the league is trying for whatever reason to ruin the integrity to of the keep game. Everybody and in keep it. literally every team, every team, first or last, a hundred points or fifty points in a playoff spot. Here's and the, everything like that, and it ruins it. I okay, it ruins the nature much, of competition. Yes. I agree with you. We we should take every opportunity to not argue over things that we agree with. Uh-huh. <laughs> but this is not the worst thing that the league could do. The worst thing would be if they expand the playoffs. Agreed. And no, start no, no, no. Agreed. including more of these guys. Now, I, I think it's exciting to be in, a, in Chicago or Minnesota right now and watch those two teams play each other or throw in Arizona, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Nashville. All fun. The fans are the fans are coming out in droves as they should. The teams are playing hard. Salute them a hundred percent. But if you start adding two more, God forbid, any more than that in each conference, now you're going to be dragging teams that are five hundred. Chicago's thirty-one and thirty in regulation. They're a five hundred team. They're in a bit of a rebuild. No, no disrespect to what they do there, but they are also minus 10 on the season. Mm-hmm. Do they need to be a playoff team in this condition? No, they do not. We're, we're past the original six where every team makes the playoffs. Right. And the, and on top of that, we're, we're not in baseball where how many teams make the playoffs and how many teams get buys into the second round and all this stuff. This is... Well, look at the numbers, though. I mean, hockey still has... If you... When Seattle comes in the league, still half of the league is going to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. 16 out of 32, even I can figure that out. So half the league makes the playoffs. If If you are not in the top half... I mean, look at... You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be in the playoffs if you're not in the top half of the league. Look at uh, college football in the U.S. It's There's only four teams that have meaningful playoff-type games. Four. And there's hundreds of universities and four of them. But are, they seem to give everybody bowl games. Well, right? everybody gets a bowl game, but, <laughs> but. That's, a, that's a TV deal. Anyway, uh, here's hoping... As much as they don't listen to the likes of me and you, yeah. uh, here's hoping that the league doesn't sobers the up and does not expand the playoffs. Well, expanding the playoffs, though, you know what that would be equivalent to? It'd be equivalent to the to, to the screwed up lottery draft lottery system yeah. right now. It would be a way to say, "Hey, you participated in the season, so here's your playoff spot. Here's a ribbon. Here, you participated in the season, so here's your increased odds of jumping from a twelfth overall pick to a." the second overall pick. Yep. I couldn't agree more that that system is broken. That needs to be fixed. I would, I would really, I know the league doesn't want to go back to a two, two point for a win and zero points for everything else system just because of like you, you could have four or five tiebreakers deep trying to figure that out at the end of the year. So odd, odd numbers are fine, but do it three and two instead of two and one. Or something so that three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime win or shootout win, and zero for everything else. 
L equals zero. Well, if, anyway. just just for fun, before we get to your your players and things you want to mention, for just for fun on that basis, I want to I want to look through this and I want to set go off the basis of take all the OT points here and apply them as if it's a loss and take away eight points. Mm-hmm. Okay, LA would have fifty six points. Yep. San Jose fifty eight. Anaheim, 58. Arizona, 66. Vancouver, 70. Or 72, sorry. Calgary, 72. Edmonton would have 63. 64. 74. Or 74, sorry. Yep. And Vegas would have 78. Yep. Chicago, would have 62. Minnesota would have 70. Winnipeg would have 72. Nashville would have 70. Dallas would have 74. Um, Colorado would have 82. And St. Louis St. would have 82. So you what, what you just said there is Colorado would be 20 points ahead of the Chicago Blackhawks if not for the overtime losses. And they're still twenty points ahead of the of the Blackhawks. Yeah, they are. They are even with the overtime stuff. Exactly, but that also means that Chicago, even though they're twenty points behind uh, a team like St. Louis or Colorado, they're still in a playoff hunt, as are a handful of others. So, I actually, in you can make a mathematical argument that that extra point doesn't make a lot of difference. But it changes it. Forget what it does to the standings at the end of the year. Boston would only have eighty-eight points if if you take away the loss. It changes the way the game looks in the third period. When you can tell that it needs to be in the conference or out of the conference, it needs to be a three-point game. People start protecting their lead. You go into penalty kill mode with eight or ten minutes to go in the third, and it's a snooze fest. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I just don't buy the loser point for a handful of reasons, but that's, that's enough for today, I guess. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, Transitioning before we close out here and finish up, uh, you had some players that you wanted, uh, that you wanted to talk about that you've (laughs) either been wrong about or went unnoticed. Yeah. I, you know what? I am trying my best at, at because so many people are coaching me on this to um, to remain objective, and when it comes to guys like like Willie Nylander, been one of the most consistent forwards in Toronto all year, and you know how I railed on him for the last couple of seasons. Uh, Pasternak, kid can absolutely play. Ovechkin, okay, Captain Obvious, yeah. Ovechkin can score goals, but. The guy throws 30 shots at the net every night. So he's a he's still a one-trick pony, but he's a one-trick pony that nobody has figured out yet. Agreed. So, I mean, here we go again. He's going to have 50 goals again this year. Um, I want I want both of the Tanevs on my team, regardless. Those are two of the best depth players in the league. Watch them both play whenever you get a chance. Uh, Chris in Vancouver and Brandon in uh, Winnipeg. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, sorry. Jeez. He was in Winnipeg. 
<laughs> he was in Winnipeg. But the other guy that really gets my attention, and this is a guy that I thought was an absolute white elephant signing in the offseason for $10 bucks or whatever he got in the Rangers, is Panarin. The guy is, he's plus 35. He's a scoring machine every night. He's brought, he and he and Zibanejad have just been, they've been great all year long. And I did not see that coming. I thought Panarin was going to be, and, and granted, one season doesn't make a, a seven or eight year, $10 million contract, but good on him for getting off to a good start and for bringing that team up with him. Got to go, got to give props where they're due. Because that's just how I am. Oh, yes. You, you know, are that you are known for that. <laughs> Boy, there's, it, it, you know what? It's going to be a fun run. We've got, what, three as of when this? 25, 25 days left in the regular season. So three weeks or a little over three weeks left. So yeah. So we're down to the last dozen games. Uh, and and what, a, what a fun three weeks or so this is going to be. Stay tuned. Yep, that Stay makes tuned. that makes our typical question of what we're looking forward to easy to to answer. Everything that's yes. what we're looking forward to. Well, anything, anyways, um, anything, any, anyways. <laughs> uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, thank you all for your support, your patience. Um, you're the listeners of the driving course behind what we do. We can't thank you enough for continuing to tune in and continuing to offer support. Uh, head to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, that's at War Room the Hockey Podcast, War Room the Hockey Podcast, and at War Hockey, respectively. Uh, war, warroomhockey.com as well. Head to Apple, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hit the subscribe button. Rate and review, uh, preferably a five-star rating, as well as a five-star review. I love reading nice words. And uh, we love fan please, mail. Yep. Uh, please engage on social media and, and the different platforms, writing questions and thoughts. Um, and, and please send in also, sorry for interrupting, but please send in anything, any kind of criticism. We're always willing to ignore that and man, make fun of it. So, you know, it's just all the more material for us. And, uh, we look forward to hearing from you good or bad. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Spe- speaking of it real quick, before we close out, I uh, just wanted to open this up. Um, another thought from, John Leahy, who's, who uh, believes that Sunday night's first all-woman broadcast of the Blues and Blackhawks was noteworthy. Noteworthy? Does he expand on that at no. all? No. Okay. It, it was. It was. With all due re- with here's the deal. With all due respect to John, it's it depends on what your definition of noteworthy is. Correct. It, yes, and it was uh, technically not the first all-woman broadcast. No, there was one several years ago, but it didn't get the attention that this one does because Agreed. this is a big thing. But again, it but, depends on your definition of noteworthy. Um, it depends on how you look at it, and it's not in any way a simple trivialization of the women, the woman movement going around. Uh, you know, at the heart of it, that's a wonderful thing, but. Uh, again, it depends on the definition of noteworthy because it can't just be noteworthy simply because women did it, right? right? I, it, it can't be noteworthy simply because hooray for women. It's got to be noteworthy for for the quality for, for the for the quality of the of the product. Nothing 
good good on him for being it for being good enough at the job to be included. But in that regard, it now needs to be it now needs to be noteworthy for that specific woman who's worked her ass off to earn the position to be given that opportunity, right? Not for the broadcast itself, right? No. So it, it's noteworthy because Catherine Tappan and Kendall Coyne and these ladies, Campbell. Cassie Campbell Pascal, and these ladies that participate in that broadcast have worked how many years on and off the ice to earn the reputation and the respect and to earn the opportunity so when a all-woman broadcast is presented, they can be included. To me, to me, that's noteworthy. Yeah, it is, the, absolutely. The broadcast itself isn't noteworthy on its own. Because what that to me, what that suggests is not to go down the social political route, but what that suggests is that we're applauding and saying it's noteworthy simply because it was women. Right. And Which would be demeaning to the women. It would themselves. be demeaning to it's they it's they're demeaning. there because of quality, not because of yeah. who, who it would what be demeaning to is. them for the work they've put in. It would be demeaning to to men. It would be demeaning to anybody anybody. To say that it was noteworthy simply because of the broadcast in general. Right. Because now that takes the conversation of the hard work out of it. And yep. it takes exactly. all the quality out of it. And now it's just because of your gender, it's noteworthy. And, and, and that you don't, what you cannot you can't say create that. is a, an affirmative action no. situation. And that's not what they want. That's not what they deserve. Yep. So, so uh, th- thank I, you. Thank you, John, for, yep. for writing in, uh, Forgive us if we sounded like we were completely railing on you and your thought. Um, we, no. we, I think you can agree we were we were just expanding on the context of noteworthy, right? Correct. And it wasn't. That's too, correct. It wasn't an insult to John. It wasn't no. anything like that. It was just expanding on the con on the context of the word noteworthy, and and what the broadcast itself meant. The other. I, I hesitate to bring this up, but while we're on the topic, what I saw, and I'm not a social media person, I'm not on social media, I only saw what was relayed, we, it did not look like that broadcast on its own merit, on the merit of the quality of the broadcast, respect to the women aside, it did not look like it was well received. Oh, agreed. There's and nothing I, I saw that, and trust me, in today's climate, People are all over glad-handing and things, these different things, and that didn't happen with this broadcast. No. There wasn't this elongated thing afterwards of, oh my gosh, that was amazing, and wow, that's groundbreaking, and oh, this and that. I, I honestly haven't heard a word since, and so it, nothing against their hard work, but the broadcast itself, and this goes back to the point we were just making, the broadcast itself was not noteworthy on the basis that the quality of the broadcast clearly did not stand out. The National Hockey League or anybody else, every business, every sports, entertainment, any kind of business, it doesn't matter who it is, put the best human being in the job. Yep. Color, gender, background, size, shape, doesn't matter. Put the best person in the job. Forget I've, I've, everything else and quit Quit telling me I have to celebrate everybody. I celebrate quality. I want to celebrate whoever's in the job. I don't care any of the any of the rest of them. 
but well, I, don't, I, I don't want to veer off. I know what I know the intention of, of uh, John's comment. Oh, absolutely, hundred yeah, percent. And we appreciate the engagement. We yeah. appreciate it. And it's not to insult or rip it apart. Um, no. I just I've made my point on what we. I think you agree with me on what I feel um, w- was and was not noteworthy about it. Um, but I also feel not to continue down this too much, but that in today's social climate, Canada or the United States, there's an overcompensation or too much effort being put in to try and fabricate groundbreaking moments rather than just letting it be. And if that means that you don't have an all-women broadcast, right, because the the right quality people for the job are filling in those spots, then so be it. But creating these all women moments or these groundbreaking LGBTQ stuff or whatever, simply because simply because you want the world to celebrate them and not because, Hey, they've earned it or Hey, they've done this and that. And it's not that Kendall coin or anybody hasn't earned it, No, but you get my point is that honestly undermines the equality movement more than I think anybody clearly will ever admit to. Willie O'Ree is the first to tell you he wasn't, he was not a black hockey player. Yeah. He was a player. That's all. He was just a hockey player. Period. I think, I think the all women broadcast would have been more noteworthy for the broadcast in general and, and standalone on the broadcast itself. If there wasn't a big deal made about it. I agree. If 100%. all of a sudden, if all of a sudden you're turning on the blues Blackhawks game and here's Catherine Tappan, here's Cassie Campbell Pascal, here's Kendall Coyne, Here's Chris Simpson. Chris Simpson, name name a woman. Yep. And oh wow, you you noticed halfway through the first, oh it's all women. That would have been the broadcast itself, standalone, would have been more noteworthy in that way. If if they didn't make a big deal about it, everything everything gender, uh, sexual orientation, everything would be more noteworthy and would be more groundbreaking and would be more. Amazing, if you will, if we stopped trying to force people to celebrate it, just let it happen naturally because the person's earned it and because it's high quality for that position. Celebrate quality. Celebrate, celebrate the, quality. The best and if it's all and if it's all women, then great. whatever. Yeah. So again, again we've made our po- we've made our point. We, we we stand with what we with what we say. Um, but again, thank you to John for being our most consistent um, f- listener who engages with us and writes in. We appreciate it. And we hope that you understand that we're not ripping you apart no. or even your comment necessarily. Not at all. It began as expanding on the con the context of the word noteworthy is all. Nobody so. should mess with the mayor of Round Grove, that's for sure. <laughs> all right. 100%. Well, anyways, we, we started the to close out and then we completely started again. So, um, thank you again for, for tuning in, uh, engage with us right in. We answer, um, we talk about it. Uh, we give shout out to you if you do so. Um, thank you for your continued support. Make sure you subscribe, like, and follow on the social media platforms. And we will see you next week for episode 48 of War Room the Hockey Podcast. I'm Evan Rauer. Thank you for joining in the studio again. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And I will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers.